As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Welcome to Brothers in Arms, brought to you by Catholic Men for Jesus Christ, with your hosts, George Rose and Bill Maher. Stay tuned as George, Bill, and their guests discuss topics relevant to Catholic men living out their faith in today's challenging world. And now, here are the hosts of Brothers in Arms, George Rose and Bill Maher. Well, welcome, my brothers. This is Bill Maher. I'm here with Brothers in Arms. I am co-hostless. George Rose is away right now with his family doing important family things, so I am flying solo as you guys are hopefully flying home and and getting ready for an amazing weekend. Uh, We've had a lot going on uh, in the last week. We had our men's conference, which went phenomenally well. I mean, Jim Wahlberg, my favorite of all the Wahlberg brothers. I mean, everyone watches Donnie on Blue Bloods and Bands of Brothers. And obviously, Mark has got these amazing movies and new movie coming out called Father Stew. Great guys. But Jim is, I think, the most special, in my opinion. He's had an amazing story of recovery, and he's published a book called The Big Hustle. Great guy. We had Chris Pageant as well, who gave some amazing talks. And uh, actually, I got cornered by uh, Jerry uh, Cooney, who was there, the former heavyweight boxer who uh, had a really uh, a tough fight with Larry Holmes, the Easton assassin. And Jerry kind of came up to me and he put his arm on my shoulder and said, Bill, you want to go six rounds? I said, no, <laughs> absolutely not. But it was an amazing uh, conference. Uh, it was great to get together, given all the time we've struggled with COVID and so forth. It's just amazing to get out. So uh, it was great seeing you guys. Keep, uh, keep an eye open for upcoming evenings of reflection. They're going to be coming out as well. And uh, let's all kind of, you know, give our, our thoughts and prayers to the people of Ukraine, uh, the people of Eastern Europe, uh, the people of Russia, even, um, who are not very happy with this madman and what he's doing, uh, erupting uh, Europe into another plunge. So we, we definitely have to keep that focused, um, or at least focused on prayer and so forth, because the world is getting rather ugly. Uh, so... You know, moving on, this format of this show is going to be a little bit different, um, minus George. Um, I, I have a great guest uh, I'm going to introduce you guys to by the name of Joel Green, who has uh, published a, a really great book and has done some amazing things in the world of nutrition and health and longevity uh, science. Uh, Joel, are you with us? I am. Thank you for having me on. That's wonderful. Joel, I'm going to quickly go through your bio real quick. So, so Joel is uh, the creator of the Veep Nutrition Program, which is a, an amazingly targeted program to hacking, if you will, so many of the body processes, maybe with its foundation being within the gut microbiome. It's a topic we're definitely going to talk about. Um, he's the author of a book called The Immunity Code. I'm showing it to the camera right now. Phenomenal book. Joel, I'm going to confess, it's so meaty. I'm diving in so deep uh, into this book, and I'm going slow. I'm only halfway through, but it is so chock full of nuggets. And I want to encourage everyone to uh, look up The Immunity Code by Joel Green. It's on Amazon and his website uh, because he takes you step-by-step through how you can become a healthier you, how you can become, as he puts it, you know, a peak human, if you will. Uh, we often talk about the spirituality of our journey as men. Uh, we talk about, you know, our, our mental health. Today, we're going to focus on our body. And, and by the way, that's tied in with, our, with, with the other two as well. 
Joel has uh, went on. He's an author. He's a speaker. He's been on Muscle and Fitness, 24-Hour Fitness Digital Magazine he's written for. He's been on CBS Online, Superhuman Radio. He's even, uh, his program was even uh, shown on the Dr. Phil show. So we're really delighted to have Joel uh, you know, as our guest, our featured guest, and diving a little bit deep into trying to become a healthier you, trying to become a better father. Most of our audience is men. Uh, a better brother, a better husband, a healthier brother, husband, father, and all those things. Because quite frankly, you know, uh, we are getting sicker and sicker as a society. So, Joel, thanks so much for uh, for coming on board. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's uh, such a treat to talk to um, a Christian audience. And, uh, you know, the, the actually the, the first line in my book was, uh, your, body was a, your body is a gift. You didn't design it. You didn't make it. Uh, it's yours to use, and that was, um, you know, really reflective of my faith. So it's such a great. Um, uh, I really enjoy when I get a chance to speak to brothers and sisters. So this is great. No, we we really appreciate it. It's sort of um, in, in the Christian journey. Sometimes we neglect our bodies. Actually, you know, we focus on spiritual, which is critically important, no doubt. But we are we are a a collection of, of a psyche, a spirit, you know, and, and even quantum, I love quantum physics, by the way, quantum physicists are now talking about how the, the, the terms are different. They'll talk about how consciousness is eternal. Well, you know, from a Christian perspective, we just say the, the soul is eternal. So there's sort of like a really neat merging going on between, you know, traditional, if you will, Christian values or religious values and science that is mm-hmm. kind of exciting at this point, and and you're part of that actually. Yeah, that was a big part of my journey too. Um, you know, I grew up a, I grew up a, I was a Buddhist as a kid, and I became an atheist for a long time. And um, in college, you know, I had all the classes, I had all the biology and all that, and you know, I was told all the facts, and um, you know, a lot of a lot of that really got in my way for a long time. And it's actually what really brought me to the Lord later, um, mm. because. Um, the general prevailing view is that, you know, that, you know, if you're a Christian, that your, your, your beliefs are sort of like, you know, kind of got to put them in a, in a little bucket because they don't really jive with the science. And it's actually the complete reverse. Um, it's the, the, and this is stuff I've got dove into very deep for a number of years. You know, the more you look at it, the more, the more it's evident that you're wonderfully made. And it's, it's so evident that it's just, it's obvious. And, um, you know, we could do a whole show on that. No that doubt about it. No doubt about it. I'm going to frame our show right now because a lot of, a lot of people are driving. And I, I mentioned to you before we came on air that, you know, when you talk about a radio audience, let's be honest, you're talking about 40 to about 80 or 90. I mean, it tends to be older people that listen to radio. Now we of course have the internet presence as well. Uh, that really goes out throughout the world, but guys listening to this and women, um, this is going to be a very powerful show for you because, you know, Joel's going to show you how you can pointedly take control of your health because that's the undiscovered country. You know, medicine, and I've been in medicine for 25 years from the pharmaceutical and the biologic side, and I promise you, your doctors are brilliant people, but they are taught two principal things. They're taught when a disease occurs, here's the drug, one, or here's the procedure, you know, far too often they're, they're not getting the nutritional science. They're, and, and the latest science is pouring in like crazy. It's very difficult to even keep up with it. Um, so this is going to be a very powerful show for you. And I guess my first question 
Joel will be, uh, how did you get into this? How did, how did that process start in your life? Uh, I was an early adopter. Um, so I'm, I'm very old. <laughs> I'm, I'm 57. Um, and when I was a kid, you know, a lot of people don't remember this, but there were only three channels, you know, and there wasn't a lot of media and I'd get up every morning and Jocko Lane was kind of on. And I don't even know if they were reruns or what, but you know, as a kid, you get up and, you know, he had on a onesie and, and on a dog and an organ. And so I just started doing everything. You know, I had a onesie and I just kind of work out with Jack and it just uh, led into like from a very early age, um, kind of always as a consumer being on the, uh, the early adoption. end. so in, in the seventies, the running craze kind of kicked in and I was just a little kid watching the Olympics in 72. And, you know, I started running around the block and got into that. And then, um, I started um, working out with weights, like and sprinting, like when I was in the fifth grade, and I just wanted to get faster. And and then, you know, the, I kind of rode the wave of the whole um, uh, sort of mainstreaming of fitness from the 70s into the 80s. Mm-hmm. And um, where I lived in San Jose, uh, a lot of athletes trained. Uh, Bruce Jenner at the time trained uh, right across the street, and so you know, at the local gym where I was at, there were all these world class athletes. So. I was just really a consumer, um, always uh, at the, always just adopting things at an early age, and um, that followed me kind of into my career where I, I was not paid to be fit. I was just a regular person, but um, whatever it was, I was always kind of into that thing. So in the late '80s, early '90s, um, uh, what are called medium chain triglycerides or MCTs kind of started to come out. And, um, at the time that was the era of no fat. Like if you think back, like back then, everything had to be no fat. Like every label said zero fat, zero fat. And so the claim on these was that, um, that they were the fatless fat. Like you could take these fats and you didn't get fat. And that just blew me away. I couldn't believe that. So I, you know, I started doing all this research on that. And kind of in the early nineties, I started adopting everything that came out and just trying it as a consumer. And long story short, my, my path led me down um, a road that in hindsight now most consumers have been through, which is that you'll try something, whether it be a diet or a supplement, and you get these really great results kind of early on. Mm-hmm. And the farther you go down the road, you have nothing but problems. You have mm. problems from the very thing that gave you benefits early up front. And that's exactly what happened to me. So um, I started doing what you might call intermittent fasting kind of in the early 90s when a product came out called Metrex and I was just eating one meal a day, and I was just uh, using the metrics to help me fast and work great. Like, I looked really good, lost a lot of body fat. Um, and again, this is all as a consumer. Sure. Um, and for about three years, it worked great. And then later on down the line, I started eating uncontrollably. And I'm like, I didn't know what had happened, but I wanted to find out. And it you know, led me into a lot of research. And I started really experimenting with um, different diets. And it was kind of always the same story. I would get these great results kind of in the short term, and then I would get this sort of hormonal kind of bounce back or Mm. um, countermeasure happening um, in the long term. And it kind of culminated for me um, in the early uh, mid-2000s where I uh, went to work for a tech company. I wound up running the company. And what happened was I I came into that job. Um, I had time to work out. I in the late 90s, the dot-com boom kind of crashed, early 2000. I lost my job. I uh, started an ad agency. My clients were all fitness models. And I had time to work out. So I was in mm. great shape. I got this job at a tech company, and I wound up running it, and I got fat. And over about three years, uh, the company became really successful. We did really well. And, and I just I just 
you know, if you looked at the revenue curve and my weight, they matched identically. Like they both went up. So by the end of that, I was I was uh, I was about 40 pounds overweight, and it really bothered me because I I kind of had spent 30 years. You know, by that point, I was in my early 40s. I'd spent 30 years digesting all of this advice, and the net of it after 30 years was that um, I kind of knew what to do, but I was in a scenario where none of it really worked for me because I was, you know, under a lot of pressure and working, you know, 12, 13 hours a day and commuting and just didn't translate very well. Mm -hmm. You talk about time in your book, time management and and the challenge of time. Yeah. And what you find is that um, when you begin to kind of set aside what I call fitness fantasy, um, which is kind of the, you know, the the whole ethos that kind of came out of Venice Beach and, you know, this, this sort of idea that you're going to get in your best shape ever and stay there. Um, that's not what really happens for most people. What, what actually really happens is you have these seasons where um, you'll you'll eke out time and energy and you'll, you'll try and try and emulate what you're being told to do. But then all these real-life pressures will just, from time to time, you'll have seasons where you have zero time, none. Mm. And, that, and I, I kind of validated that. So what, what happened to me was, um, I right about 2006, um, all this kind of culminated for me, and I, I just I was kind of angry, and I and I just really wanted to tell the truth about what had happened and what I so I started this website, and I was just you know following science and and, and writing articles based on what I discovered in the science, and I long story short, I created this uh, this software that was kind of a nutrition program based on the gut biome, and um, after a couple of years, we launched it, and. Um, the clients for it were hospitals and cities. So like our, our, you know, our very first client was a hospital chain in Pennsylvania and it was all doctors and nurses. And so it was, it was very much an eye-opening experience for me because what I saw was that um, working people, particularly like in the medical profession, um, they were extremely challenged with oh, yeah. just their own health, you know, working these crazy hours and really, you know, nothing to eat, but what's in the commons. And so, you know, the, the first, the first, um, the first client we had was just all doctors and nurses and physiologists. And so, you know, and it really worked for them. And then we went on and started signing these cities and like we had, you know, these very large cities, several thousand clients at once. And, and when you looked at the population of people, it wasn't fitness people. It was just people in real life. And so I was able to collect a lot of data from that and see what really, you know, what really worked and what didn't work. But the one commonality was that, um, the things that tend to work in sort of this rarefied laboratory of what you see um, in in the fitness advice giving realm, Instagram, that kind of thing, it doesn't really translate very well for most people yeah. at all over time. And the net of it is something that I talk about in my book, which is it hasn't really been talked about. And that's you know you 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 try some program, some weight loss, some some program that you know there's a number of different ones. And what's never really been talked about is that we use these words, we use words like, you know, weight loss and diet and fat loss, but our body does not understand those words to our body. It's, it's all starvation, right? There's no difference. All we're talking about here is fat cells shrinking. That's what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And historically speaking, um, long periods of fat cells shrinking only happened because there wasn't enough food. And so our bodies have these very, very powerful, um, mechanisms that are designed to keep you alive. They're designed to protect your weight that kick in once you've lost the fat. And there's, there's some new science starting to come out on this. It's really not recognized, but essentially it refers to the weight-reduced state, and that's the period after you've lost the weight. 
there are there's this avalanche of mechanisms working against you to make you regain the weight, and that's what most people experience over time. Is you know, it's one thing to kind of do a diet and lose the weight, but what's actually happening over the long term for most people is you're actually you're actually driving these mechanisms that not only make you regain the weight, but make it much harder down the line to um, to maintain mm-hmm. um, any type of weight loss. It's getting harder and harder over time, and it's because you're activating a starvation response. So all that led to kind of this book that I wrote on the immunity code. And you know, well, you know before really you get to the immunity code, I, it's interesting because um, in some people that response is even greater. Uh, scientists are talking about this thrifty gene. Um, you know, certain populations that that went through starvation, their epigenome changes so much that their following generations get, Mm -hmm. if you will, thrifty. So that when you try to die, to your point, Joel, the the rebound is even greater and it's more difficult for some people to to get thin because their body is responding and it has a memory of starvation and it never wants to go there. Um, Yeah, that is such a, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, please go ahead. Yeah, that is such a powerful force. Um, you can actually make a very good case to trace the obesity epidemic back to the mid '50s and what's known as transgenerational epigenetics, which just means that. Um, but, but genes, the genes you have, are not the most important thing. It's the genes that are expressed. Yes. That really matter. Hundred percent. And so. External factors, things like hard chewing, things like uh, uh, jogging, things like uh, foods, can actually bring into expression uh, genes that have not been expressed. And the net of it is you can pass the expression of those genes on to your descendants, and it happens very, very fast within a generation or two. Mm-hmm. So there's a very good case to be made that um, through transgenerational epigenetics, the obesity epidemic was sort of born in the 50s by creating these preferential gene expressions for certain types of foods that are obesogenic in nature and, you know, that whole thing. It's very, very interesting, very quick, but yeah, um, it's a real thing. Yeah. It's interesting because, you know, the reverse they think is possible as well. And this is, I think some of the things that you touch on. And when I look at when I'm, as I'm reading your book and I, I think of the average person, I think there's two people in this discussion there's the people that are going to immediately say, Joel, I agree with you, man, I tried this fat. I, I did this. I'm keto on this. And it always blows up inevitably. That's one group. The other group is, I, I don't want to go through that. I'm too busy. And not, none of those fads even make sense. They're too difficult. And I think that that's an audience for you as well, because the way, one of the things I wrote down as, as I'm reading your book is, wow, this is an eyes wide open approach to science and health, longevity, all those things. There's some amazing hacks that we'll probably flesh out a little later, some examples of that. But that, so the point of this is, regardless of who you are listening to this, whether you're a fad guy, whether you're in the gym, or whether you're someone that's not taking the plunge, this is an approach that you can use. That's kind of the idea. Um, you know, again, all of this came from my experience over several decades, finding out that the vast majority of advice does not translate into people in real situations. And the the variable is that if you don't get paid to be fit, 
you have a completely different um, ecosystem, a completely different um, set of challenges that are going to make things much more, uh, it's, it's just a different set of physics completely. And so, you know, in looking at this, there were two things that really stood out. One is that the most powerful mechanistic effectors of our body all relate to the immune system. And it's super, super easy to prove that, very easy to prove that very fast. Um, so they're all immune mechanisms. And then the other thing was that we really need a better to-do list. Like, you know, realistically speaking, um, the average person is never going to make like this, this, you know, transformation into being like a fitness star. It's not going to happen. Right. Um, and, but more importantly, what is very doable is to make very meaningful improvements in key key measures, key indices of health with things that are extremely non-time intensive. And, I, and I've seen it. I've just witnessed it thousands of times where um, one example is the very first thing you do in the book is, um, is uh, have you start eating apple skins. Mm. And the reason is because anybody can get a bag of apples. It's pretty, pretty sure. easy. But, but the net of it is that what you're doing here is you're not actually feeding you. You're you're feeding very key bacteria in the gut, um, two specifically. One is the family of bifidobacteria, and the other is um, a species called uh, Acromantia mucinolifera. Yeah. Which these two species um, are kind of like the bang for the buck. Like they have enormous, enormous impact over a number of things. Um, they have enormous impact over things like energy, things like cravings, um, things like. Uh, vitamin production. Fat metabolism. I'm sorry? Vitamin yeah. production. Yeah, B vitamin production. And and it's very easy to prove to yourself. Like you can rapidly make changes um, just by feeding those bacteria the right species. So by, by doing something that's very non-time intensive, you can notice a very quick difference. And I, I like things that people can just prove to themselves. Mm -hmm. And so that's one sort of little domain. Like, like there's just a few things we can do here that affect very specific bacteria. It doesn't take very much time and anybody can do these things. And then what you're going to see from that is um, a nice little lift, you know, a nice little lift. And if you play that lift out over a number of years, just that one thing has a very, very profound impact on a number of different things, um, health, immunity, uh, body composition, energy, a lot of things. Now it's not a panacea. There are no panaceas, but if you had an inventory of a few little things that were very non-time intensive that work kind of like that, um, now we're talking. Now you've yeah. really got something. And, and so that's what we're seeing. You know, that's an important topic, the microbiome. It's one of the big uh, pillars, if you will, I think, of your book. And you have been way ahead of everyone else with the microbiome. I, I, I've been really – I actually professionally – you know, we counsel surgeons to kill pathogenic bacteria in my world. So, and we do it locally because, and which is really falls in line with the idea of the microbiome because systemic antibiotics, whether they be oral or, or even IV, you're obliterating your good bacteria. You know, we have more bacteria than we have cells in our body and the vast majority are good for you. And you really start uh, hounding this point and it needs to be hounded. You know, you talk about bifidobacterium. Most people don't have good bifidobacterium. Our diet is so poor that we're generating bacteria that through the vagus nerve is telling your body, you know, eat this crappy food. And if we don't take 
a charge of what we're what kind of bacteria we have in our body, we're we're not going to get anywhere, and that's a big part of of how you not only you know, outline it, but you give instruction on how to do that. You mentioned the apple peels, you mentioned polyphenols, which are phytochemicals found in some of the fruits. They you know typically fruits. Uh, acromantia, you know, guys are like, what's acromantia? Well, acromantia actually protects the mucus lining of your gut. Um, and this is critically important. You know, I, I've, I've given CEU talks to nurses on, on, you know, attacking, you know, pathogenic bacteria locally with local antibiotics and things like that. And, you know, I'm amazed at, at how little people know. I mean, I always mention uh, lactobacillus rotori or rotori to the guys because it increases testosterone and that does it through the gut. Uh, Lactobacillus johnsoni will produce folate. Um, Mycobacterium vaccari will produce serotonin in your gut. And if you don't have these species, you're in trouble. Yeah, it's, it gives us um, kind of a, a different way to think about approaching, taking care of our body. So, the first big idea to, to kind of shift to is that um, you're not always feeding you, mm. and, and that's a different idea. It's the idea that um, you can actually learn to feed certain bacteria in your gut. You just have to identify what it is they feed on. And a good example of this uh, that you touched on is <clears throat> um, is cravings via the vagus nerve. So what, <clears throat> what a lot of people who've kind of been through the book quickly find out is that you know, we think we have these these life and death struggles with cravings. You know, it's like, oh my gosh, I gotta beat my cravings. And, and there's there's like entire schools of thought devoted to like you know the the willpower aspect and the choices and decisions. But really, it's 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 actually ridiculously easy to get control of because mm-hmm. what you're really talking about is feeding one population of bacteria in the gut. And what happens very very rapidly, literally within three to five days, is like cravings can completely shift. And what most people don't realize is, you know, typical example is it's night and I get these sugar cravings ah, and I just have to have something sweet. And it's like, mm, no, that's not you. <laughs> um, that, is, that is the bacteria in your gut. They've hijacked your cravings. They've hijacked your vagus nerve and they're getting you to feed them what they need. So when you go to bed, they multiply. And just, just that, just discovering that you can rapidly shift cravings by just feeding the right bacteria in your gut. That's, that's like a life-changing thing for a lot of people. And it's, it's, shockingly much easier to do than, you know, you might think until you've done it. And then once you've done it, an odd thing happens. You get nauseated when you have the foods you used to desire. True. So, yeah. um, and it's just fascinating. And this is one of the great things about your book. And the way you wrote this book, um, you wrote it in, in a very clever way, if I might may say, because, you know, and I have, by the way, I'm showing my, my copy. I've got all kinds of dovetails and underlined sentences and everything. You, you take the person soup to nuts through concepts, but you do it in, in bite-sized manners. You're, you're feeding my ADHD. You're making it really easy is what you're doing. And then you're giving really good practical hacks and examples. So, so each topic is, is really digestible. And that's why I'm really pushing this book to the audience because we talk about the biome. I bet most people haven't even heard some of, some of these concepts that your bacteria is telling you what it needs. Um, and if it's bad, it's going to, you know, crave bad things. If it's good, it's going to crave good things. So you give simple hacks on that. Maybe, maybe you can share a few of the hacks from the book. You, you mentioned apple peels and maybe you can explain what's going on there. Yeah. So <clears throat> there's a, there's a basic um, 
protocol from the book, um, which is to combine a couple things. And so we start with apple skins. And the reason apple skins is that there is um, there are color pigments in the apple skins. Um, they're called procyanidins, or, or they're in this class of things called phenols. Okay, when you hear the word phenols, just think color. That's what phenols means. It means color. So, um, so these color pigments, um, they they feed different bacteria in the gut, and really, typically, they feed the really healthy bacteria. And apple skins are sort of unique. They've got um, a lot of really um, sort of very interesting things going on. One is that, as far as these color pigments go, they have these very long chain color pigments. They're called um, highly polymerized procyanidins. Um, they're these gigantic, um, gigantic like molecules. And the net of them is that they tend to ferment in the gut, meaning fermentation is the process by which bacteria is made. Think of beer, think of, you know, yeast, you know, when things ferment, um, you make bacteria. And so the right bacteria love these things. And so they, in particular, um, they feed Acromantia mucinellifa, which is the primary bacteria that's responsible for the gut lining. Mm -hmm. And the way to kind of get your arms around why that's so important is to think of your skin and to think of, like, if you cut off a, a patch of your skin, cut off, like, a two-by-two two patch of your skin, and then put salami on it, what mm -hmm. would happen? You know, you'd, you'd have a horrible infection <laughs> really fast. So the gut lining is kind of like that, but you don't have skin. The only thing that you have protecting you from the outside world, and every day you take the outside world into your body, and some of it becomes part of you, but some of it doesn't. So, so the gut lining has to kind of, you know, act like a gatekeeper or like the bouncer. And the only thing protecting that is a really thin layer of mucus. So when we think of mucus, just think of spit. That's essentially what's protecting the gut lining. And in that gut lining is this bacteria, Acromantia mucinillifa, and it eats spit. That's what it eats. It likes to eat mucus. Um, it's, a, it's, um, it's on an all-protein diet. There's, uh, there's these proteins in your mucus, and it likes to eat those. And the net of it is that by foraging um, in the gut mucus layer, it actually makes it stronger and thicker. Mm -hmm. And what that does is a whole host of things that are related to um, really shocking, like like metabolism, like insulin function, you know, all kinds of immune factors that are affected by that. And so apple peels are one of the ways that you can actually directly feed acromantia. And then the hack here, and by the way, when we use the word hack, we're just really referring to like time. We're, we're trying to get the most results. The strategy. In the amount of time. Yeah, strategy. Yeah. So is to combine that with a couple other things. So the first thing is what we would call red phenols. And so, again, these are just more color pigments. Um, and typically, like red phenol powder, there's a whole bunch of products on the market. Um, I don't plug any particular one. Um, but there's a number of different um, color pigments in red phenols that feed a greater family of the beneficial bacteria. And it works really fast, like really fast. And then the final component is to combine those with a uh, what are called human milk oligosaccharides, sure. and HMOs. these are basically um, they're basically like long chain sugars that were in mother's milk. And what we're doing here is sort of like jump starting the gut. We're giving the gut the things that when you were first coming into this world, you're, you got your immune system from mom. You got it from mother's milk. You got bacteria, the little bacteria in mother's milk, and then you got these um, these long chain sugars, which are food for the right bacteria. And so these 
special carbohydrates. They're called HMOs. They feed the fiddle bacteria. They feed agromantia. And so what we're doing here is just we're providing lunch for the right bacteria. And by doing that, they proliferate and they multiply. And then when they multiply, you pretty rapidly see a lot of things happen. Um, it's very common nowadays to see people with uh, gut issues, um, very common. Like, and, and a lot of it comes from the overuse of probiotics the last few years sure. um, or just or extreme diets. Um, what will happen is people will do these extreme diets where it's, it's all protein or all fats and all this stuff, and, and it works great for the first couple of years, and then two, three years later, you have all these gut issues. Very common nowadays. And what you'll see is just a simple little protocol like that, that this, I've heard it many, many times, um, it just suddenly like the gut issues begin to finally get healed and finally mm-hmm. fixed. And suddenly like you're, you're not lactose intolerant anymore. And suddenly you're not gluten intolerant and all these amazing things you think are impossible. And it's really just because you were missing the right bacteria. And that's a big, big deal right now. I, I guys, I want you to hear that because, you know, our relationship with bacteria, we're, we're symbiotes. I mean, really we have, you know, you know, God has this plan of evolution, at least with regards to this, this, this relationship with bacteria. And it starts at birth, you know, going through the mother's uh, canal, you know, washes you with this bifidobacterium, you know, uh, species. Infantis is a big one that if you're a C-section, you're not getting it. And all of a sudden they're tracing all these immune autoimmune conditions to those C-section people. So now, now they're actually swabbing the birth canal and actually dosing the baby so that they can get that jump start of the immune system. That continues to go on, but one one or two or three or 30 doses of antibiotics and you've obliterated good bacteria, now you have a bad diet and you're feeding the bad stuff. Now you have things like glyphosate that attacks the bacteria. It doesn't attack us directly, but it attacks the bacteria. And you have this disease. And I think, uh, Joel, I think I'm right when I say 95% of the population doesn't have acromancia in their body. And that's just one of many species that we're struggling with. So this strategy that Joel is outlining is so key because right behind that, that mucus layer, you have one cell layer thick GI tract. And behind that is the, the, the big immune system of the body, the galt immune system. And when that GI mucus layer is, is, is depreciated uh, or, 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 or removed for a lack of uh, acromancia managing it, you start getting attacks on the tight junctions between those cells. You start having zonulin produced, which creates all this inflammatory responses, and boom, you have an autoimmune crisis. Um, is this is is are you seeing reversals of a lot of the uh, the asthmas and and the different autoimmune conditions in in your experience with uh, this strategy? Yeah, um, and in many cases, it's it's again, it's shockingly easier than than you would believe. Um, and it's also, you know, very important to say that um, the gut and when you deal with issues in the gut, um, that, that there there isn't a panacea and there's a range of mm. things. So when you look at people, sometimes people with Crohn's, um, they can't start with this. They have to kind of start uh, a little bit back further with some other protocols or colitis or, you know, IBD. So, um, but generally speaking, you know, it's very common nowadays to see some level of gut issue. And so this simple little protocol addresses a, a very large swath of that. Um, there will be, you know, extremes where you've got, like I said, some of these things and you have to, you can't start here. you got to do other things first. Right. But um, most people generally benefit from it. And you really hit it right on the head, you know, <clears throat> because this gets, <clears throat> excuse me, this gets straight to the immune system. And 
one of the excuse me here, sorry about that. One of the um one of the greatest revelations about all of this is has to do with COVID and has mm-hmm. to do with these specific populations and how they um they really confer a, a much greater degree of immunity from COVID and uh, in the long COVID or the post COVID um sort of environment, having these species um really or not having them relates a lot to being kind of symptomatic or not symptomatic for things. There's a, a friend of mine, Dr. Christine Bashara, just did a, a published study on the presence of the phytobacteria and how people that had healthy populations of the phytobacteria um, either didn't get COVID or had much um, less severe degree of COVID onset. And um, in the post-COVID phase, stimulating these bacteria, mm. um, you don't see a lot of the same issues that you do. So, so the gut is so entwined with immunity, and, and you really hit it on the head by talking about like the tight junctions, and you know what you're talking about here is access to the bloodstream, and yes. so the, the gut plays such an important role in the immune system that you kind of have to look at that first um, as a foundational aspect of health. And what's amazing is how easy it is to kind of um, keep it in tune if you just begin to learn about how to feed these bacteria. It's, ama- it's amazing uh, the relationship we have. And, and it's not always like, for example, a lot of people don't even realize you take a drug very often. It's not the drug itself that's that's uh, creating a metabolite. It's the bacteria actually creating the metabolite from the drug or the food. So in some cases, polyphenols, as an example, can have a direct relationship in the body, we think, but very often it's through its relationship with bacteria. I mean, it, uh, and we'll give you an example of how potent this kind of thing is. You know, there was a study done not too long ago where they looked at blood sugar levels and they looked at Snickers bars and they gave patients the Snickers bars. And of course you get this massive spike in blood levels. So let's talk about hacking because this is the kind of stuff that you're getting into. They then looked at patients taking blueberries and they didn't have the same kind of spike. Of course, it's, it's fructose. It's not, you know, corn syrup. But because of the phytochemicals and so forth, there was a much more balanced and gradiated rise and decline of the blood glucose levels. Well, here's where the power of food and being strategic with the hacks come in. They then looked at the same people taking Snickers bars and blueberries at the t- same time. And what happened was the blueberries, if you will, blunted the spike of the Snickers because of those phytochemicals and that relationship with the biome. Um, just amazing the power we're talking about right here by understanding the things that you're outlining. Yeah, um, there's a very powerful relationship between the gut and um, blood sugar metabolism. One of the critical aspects, going back to um, your, your your point of the tight junctions in the gut, is that it's very important to understand that you're always you're always advantaging different populations of bacteria meal to meal, literally meal to meal, and it's very easy to prove. Think mm-hmm. about it. If you took in something that had the wrong bacteria on it, let's say salmonella or something like that, you'd be sick within hours, hours. And that's generally speaking what's happening when you're eating food. You're always feeding either the good or the bad bacteria, one way or the other. And so that being said, what we see too much of nowadays is that when you advantage one, let's say the bad bacteria, you take in uh, the Snicker bar, Mm -hmm. um, what's going to happen is the good bacteria are going to get a little bit of a die-off. 
And when they die off, their guts break open and they spill a toxin into the gut. And that toxin is part of a it's part of the cell wall. It's called lipopolysaccharide. And what happens is it opens the gut up. It it basically commands the gut to open up and it gets in the serum. And then what happens is when lipopolysaccharide gets in the serum, it does a number of things. One of the things it does is it goes right at insulin function um, because it spins up these inflammatory mediators mm -hmm. and these inflammatory signals disrupt insulin function. They, they disrupt insulin function right at the start. And so blueberries sort of have the opposing effect. They, they go right at the inflammatory mediators, but they, they, they go at them in an anti-inflammatory way. And so getting the gut junctions to seal up through the bacteria that are in the gut and through the right foods affects globally just about everything in the body, including the way you handle blood sugar. It's powerful, very powerful stuff. And, and again, I want to uh, articulate to everyone that you're, you're giving very clear examples on how to do this. You mentioned HMOs, uh, human milk oligosaccharides. By the way, you're not drinking human milk, guys, just so you know, it's, it's made from bovine source. Um, or actually, I think it's uh, through fermentation, I think they make it. But there are companies that make powders that you can just go on Amazon. Um, one of them's Layer Health, I think. I think it's like $28 on Amazon. Or you can, you can do some of the things you suggested in the book and, and get you know, baby formula, which now is, as long as it's supplemented with HMOs, becomes a practical way that you can get these important molecules, if you will, and dump it into some water or shake, it's tasteless, and, and start that process. Very practical things. And then, to your point, the, the berries, the polyphenols, and the apple peels, if, not, not to put you on the spot, but if you, and we'll pose it this way, if you had Crohn's disease or IBS, you're not giving medical advice for anyone, but you're doing this for you. What would you do? Because you're, you would definitely be more graduated. How would you handle that for yourself? Well, they're very different. Um, um, they're, they're similar in that they're inflammatory issues, but um, there, there's some key differences. So I'll, I'll take IBS here. Um, so first thing to understand, and again, this is not medical advice. This is just like what I would do for me. Yep. So, um, but the first thing to understand is that your your colon um, is kind of where a lot of digestion takes place. And the cells of the colon, um, they have their own kind of like um, menu. Like they, they have their own sort of like preferred diet. And their preferred diet are these special types of fats. Um, these fats are called short-chain fatty acids. And there's one in particular. Um, its name comes from butter. You can think of it as butter, butterate butyrate. Mm -hmm. And what happens is when you have these inflammatory gut issues, the transporters needed to feed these cells butyrate get broken and they don't work. So you can't, you can't eat things that make butyrate. You can't eat fibers um, because the whole, it's kind of like in your car. Um, if you, if you broke like the, um, if you broke like the, the transaxle, um, you can rev the engine all you want. The car's not going to go anywhere, mm. okay? So you have to fix certain things first. And so the first thing that I would do is that there are very specific um, amino acids that help the gut, and they are food for the upper part of the gut, for the intestines, and they also help the lower part of the gut. These are arginine, uh, tryptophan, glycine, 
glycine is really important. Um, and these amino acids, I would kind of start with those because they, they help feed the gut, but they're also very healing for the gut. The next thing is that I'm not a fan of the um, sort of shotgun approach to probiotics. I think you probably do more harm than good with that. Um, and the reason is that um, too much of a good thing is not a good thing. Right. However, the future of probiotics, I think, is taking single strains of a very specific species and using those for very specific purposes. And so in this case, there's one in particular. It's called BB536. Um, it's the Phytobacteria 536. Um, I would also add that in with uh, the amino acids. Um, and so what BB536 does is it's kind of like the Swiss Army knife of immunity. Um, it affects a lot of, it's, again, it's a bacteria, but the metabolites of this bacteria are so profoundly beneficial in so many different ways in the gut that it's, it's kind of like a, it's kind of a good general foundation to kind of begin to help the gut heal up and begin to solve a lot of problems in the gut. And so you would have to basically kind of stay away from fibers, stay away from things that ferment in the gut, get on a panel of good amino acids. I'd add in BB536 and you would do that. Um, you can also add in a few other strains of the phytobacteria. And I would do that um, kind of until the in inflammation started to spin down a little bit. Um, and once you've got the inflammation under control in the gut, then you can begin to look at some of these other things like the HMOs or the red phenols, you know, those types of things, and slowly build back the ability to digest certain foods. Um, digestion of, of a lot of different foods, particularly carbohydrates, um, is very much dependent on the bacteria that are in the gut. And it's very much like a muscle. And you can lose it. So, and you can gain it back. And mm -hmm. I have it happen all the time. There are people who can't digest certain things, and then we just slowly titrate them in. And then next thing you know, they're handling foods that they couldn't handle. Mm -hmm. um, I had a had a guy, a pretty well-known guy, um, Mark Bell. Um, he's been on Joe Rogan. And, um, I put him on the uh, baby formula because he couldn't handle lactose and cured it within a month. He That's was, amazing. Like, like no problem. That's so, absolutely yeah, all amazing. All I can say is that um, there are there are steps that are involved, um, depending on what kind of where you're at. Where I started the book was basically for the average person, and that's kind of where the red phenols and the HMOs and all that comes into play. Yeah, it's neat stuff. What are your thoughts? I have two questions, actually. What are your thoughts on bovine colostrum as part of that? And uh -huh. there is one company that um, makes acromancia that I know of. I mean, the challenge there, guys, mm -hmm. is acromancia is an anaerobic bacteria, which means doesn't like oxygen. So... You have to create it in a chamber, a gas chamber. Um, and there, there is a company that, that makes it. I did get it knowing that I probably didn't have it in my body. And I was very selective with, you know, the green beans and some of the things that you talked about taking it with it. And so far, so good for me. But what are your thoughts about those two uh, concepts? Uh, a, a selected treatment of like an acromancia and or bovine colostrum mm -hmm. along with an HMO. Yeah, so uh, bovine colostrum um, is, you know, again, it's kind of like a, think of it as like kind of a like super milk in a way, is maybe one way to think of it. Um, so it depends on what the, how you want to use it. Um, I would use, me personally, I would use colostrum more for muscle building and kind of that's how I would use it. For like really the gut and getting the gut in tune, I would lean more toward the HMO because you're getting a more concentrated dose and the colostrum, it, it's got HMOs in there, but it's, you know, it's not as concentrated. Right. 
Um, and the other thing, too, is um, supplemental colostrum versus real colostrum. So um, real colostrum is, you know, a dairy farmer runs and go get some, okay? Mm. <laughs> like that stuff is, uh, as a food source, the closest thing that I've ever seen to steroids. Um, wow. I've never taken steroids, but I know guys who have, and they've, you know, we've talked, and uh, I knew a guy um, that used to drive up every weekend to Bakersfield, like a three-hour drive from where we're at, just to get colostrum from a dairy farmer he knew because that stuff was so anabolic, so good at putting muscle on. Um, supplemental colostrum, that's another thing. That's, that's not, you know, obviously it's a supplement. It's been processed and all that. So there's, there's a, definitely a difference. Um, not to say that there aren't good supplements. Um, I'm sure there are. But the real, the real thing, if you can get a hold of that, that's what I would be um, looking to get. The other thing, um, so acromantia um, as a as a as a bacteria, there's a few there's a few ways you can make it. Um, one of the ways, or rather, one of the ways to feed it is through fasting, and then there's yeah. there are different types of um, food substrates that will feed it, like the apple peels and you know things like that. Um, there's a company out that has created an, uh, their version of an acromancia. It's kind of an engineered acromancia. And I think that if you, if you don't have any acromancia in the body, then my personal preference would be that I would try to get some through food sources. Um, I'd, I'd try colostrum. I'd try you know, some other things uh, to get some from the diet. And if that doesn't work, then, yeah, I would definitely try something like that. And I don't want to do them a disservice here, but, um, and so, you know, like publicly I'm saying, if I'm wrong, please correct me. But I believe that they have engineered that acromantia where it cannot live in the body on its own. So you kind of have to keep buying the product. No, that's a um, problem. That's a problem. And I'm not a fan of that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I don't, you know, and, and who knows, there might be extenuating reasons why I want to kind of, you know, give them the benefit of the doubt. Um, in terms of what I've heard about it, some people it works really well. Um, generally speaking, acromantia just works really well in the body. Sure. So, um, yeah, that's kind of my take on that. Well, calorie, you bring up a whole, my gosh, we could talk for another hour easy because I mean, calorie restriction, um, mm -hmm. my gosh, the, the, the biologic processes that go on when you're not feeding it are amazing. And we can talk about, you know, the benefits there. I mean, I, I'm, I'm doing a lot of reading of uh, Walter Longo's research. Um, mm -hmm. You know, he talks about the three-day water fast, and our dear friend George Rose, who's not here, has uh, stage four lung cancer, and through diet change, uh, targeted supplementation, and um, and 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 things like calorie restriction, he's been able to avoid the uh, nasty side effects of radiation when he went through it, and he's now three years stage four. He's pretty much the the cancer's gone, so it, it's a testament to really, uh, you know, sort of white, sort of like a broad brush. A lot of the things you talked about, we did, but not as targeted. And that's, again, another plug for your book, because this is a targeted way of approaching health. And if you improve your health, improve your biome, you do all these things, a lot of these problems start going away. And, and that's why it's so important to have your eyes wide open. As I, as I say, this book is an eyes wide open approach. Uh, if you will, to to disease and health, no doubt about it. So yeah, go ahead. No, please go ahead. I was gonna say yeah, it's it's amazing. Uh, it's absolutely amazing what what is possible. Um, things that you don't think are possible are actually sometimes very very easy. Um, I had um, 
I, I went to the dentist and there was uh, what looked like an oral cancer, you know, kind of on a gum. And they're like, mm. hey, what's this? And I was like, I don't know. And they're like, well, we need to get you to an oral surgeon ASAP. And I was like, uh-uh. So I just, you know, there were some protocols I put myself through, um, a lot of like a combination of um, fasting with small molecules and things that drive apoptosis and all these other things. And I kind of did this protocol for about three weeks, came back, and, and they looked at it and it was like there was just pink flesh. It was completely gone. Wow. Um, well, even turmeric, they saw they saw with breast cancer lesions, turmeric, and obviously it's curcumin is the, the big polyphenol in there. But, you know, it was able to actually, you know, knock out a lot of the, the rupturing uh, sores that were coming through in breast cancer patients. I mean, these these polyphenols and phytochemicals are powerful, and and uh, they really are. Yeah. yeah. Um, the thing I would say is that you know they are. I believe that as a preventative strategy, you know, there are things the average person can do that they don't even know about that are extremely powerful and very preventative. When you get into cancer stage three and stage four, uh, you know, kind of. Uh, all bets can be off just because certain types of cancers and certain types of tissues, the physics invert and autophagy will drive, or rather what you think of as calorie restriction will actually drive the cancer and make it worse. Sure. Um, so, you know, that's something that, that, you know, I think is best left for physicians and, you know, that kind of thing. But as a preventative thing, just, you know, there, there's a lot that can be done, I think, just as a, as a health measure. No, 100%. And I want to make it clear to everyone that, like in George's case, he did everything his oncologist asked for, he went through all the therapies, but you know, the five-year mortality in a lot of cancers is pretty high. Um, but uh, that paradigm tends to start breaking down as you do your part and that's diet and lifestyle changes. Cause a lot of times that's what's feeding these cancers. Um, so I, I to, to, to your point, Joel, you know, I want to make a point, obviously you're going to always do what your doctor says, but you do have an, we all have an active role that we can play as well for sure. Um, and, and so many, so much of the things we've talked about here today. I mean, we're getting down to the final minute um, of this show, and I didn't even get into all the aging science that I wanted to get into, and all the cool. I mean, we it could be going on for an hour, for sure. But uh, one, any any last thing you want to get across to the audience? I'm I'm showing your book to the camera right now. Uh, well, just. Um... You know, we're speaking to brothers and sisters here, so just, you know, we are just wonderfully made. And this this, um, this body that we've been giving, you know, God gave it to us for a purpose, and it is to experience life abundantly. And uh, if you take care of it, um, there's a lot of abundant living to be had, you know, even in this day and age. Uh, amen. Listen, guys, thank you so much, Joel. It was an absolute pleasure. You guys be safe out there as you commute home or you mow your lawns tomorrow whenever you actually listen to this. It's always a pleasure. Looking forward to seeing you soon. God bless.